Welcome to The Bridge. Fun conversations on culture, life, and everything in between. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Bridge. We are a show that connects East and West. My name is Jason, and I am in beautiful Wuhan, China, but originally from California. And today with me is Alex. Hello, everybody. I'm Alex. I am originally from the northeast part of China, and I'm talking to you in Beijing. Find us where you get your podcasts. If you like the show, then consider pushing the like button or giving us five stars. Suggestions, comments, anything you would like to share, email us at welovethebridge at gmail.com. We love the bridge. Today we're going to be talking about evolving youth culture, Alex. Us. We're still part of the youth culture. Are we still? <clears throat> I- I don't think I am, but I thought we c- I could talk about it from my generation's perspective. I'm certainly not. I am in I am in my early 40s, and so no, I'm not. I try to be. You know, I'm like, yes, I'm cool too, guys. Look at me. I, I've got nice sneakers, but like, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> sure, the sneakers are a very important, uh, you know, standard for. Testing whether you're still. <laughs> I love. I love that. Mentally, you're still. You're still. You're still there. You're still there with the youth. I believe. I hope. Uh-huh. I hope. I see. I see them sometimes go by. <laughs> <laughs> that's how. That's how I become part of the youth culture. I see it. I witness it. Well, I kind of wanted to. You know, actually, I feel like I'm pretty well placed because I'm in the middle. You know, I have my father's generation, and I remember hearing my grandpa's stories, and now there are these younger generations, you know, and they're expressing themselves in new ways. I feel like I'm kind of at a good vantage point now to like see like the arc of what it looks like for people as they start to get older and see younger people coming in to replace their, their ideas with new ideas. And I thought we could talk about it a little bit, how, how it is in the States and a little bit how it is in China. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, I wanted to start with a story. You know, there's a Foucault book that starts with a terrifying story. So, I thought we would start with a terrifying story. <laughs> Let's do it. My, gramp- my grandpa, who's passed away, he used to tell about 10 stories. And almost all of them were about World War II. He was a, a sailor. Uh, he was in the Navy. And he fought in the Pacific against the Japanese. But I'm not going to talk about any battles or anything, uh, although he liked to. He told me this story about having his tonsils out. And uh, so, he went into a room and there he didn't even know why. And it's just like a line of sailors were told to go to different places. And inside, there was a doctor, a surgeon, I guess. I'm not sure. I, maybe not a surgeon, if you hear the rest of the story. And there were four Marines. And so, they asked him to lay down on the table. And each Marine in the room took one arm or leg and held him down. And then this person, without any painkiller, without any, you know... Uh, cleaning of any kind, they removed his tonsils. And this is obviously, this would be the kind of story grandpa, when he's old, would tell because it was so memorable. And he right? just says it as if just someone patting him on the back. No, no, no. It's not like that. Oh, okay. Every time I we was, would complain. My mouth was open when you said that. I was like, oh. <laughs> right. But every time we would complain about something like, oh, I don't want to go to get a shot or something, he would just tell this story. When I was so young, what else? <laughs> he would tell a story <laughs> about being held down by Marines and having them remove his tonsil. My point is... This is nothing compared with that. Yeah, my point is, you know, he was also a very stern disciplinary father to my father. 
And uh, I think a lot of that, in my my reflection on things, I'm just guessing, speculating here, but you know, I know my family. I think uh, he was very stern because he thought the world is a hard, hard place. And so you better be ready for it, you know? So I'm going to make sure that you're a hard person. So he was, you know, mm-hmm. rather heavy handed with his uh, children, my father and his brother and whatnot. <laughs> so I think, you know, Things have changed, obviously. My mom went and dad were like, hey, oh, cool, you know, don't hurt yourself. And now it seems like parenting has become spectacularly complicated. And you have very, very gentle gloves for everything. And so I think maybe the times we live in are like the way that people are raised and being raised in a particular time is like changing things. And I think that a lot of the changes in uh, generations come from the world in which we we live in. And maybe that, that has a big influence on the character of the children growing up. Yeah, I've always had this made up theory of my own where I'm trying to analyze why my parents would do certain things or why they think that they, you know, they need to treat me in a certain way mm. or why they don't like how I live my life. And I'm like, this is all tied to how they grew mm, up as a kid. Mm. And that's when their thoughts are formed. And that's, you know, the most influenced age of their life. Mm. And that's what was happening in China and the world. And that's what shaped who they are. So I, I could understand why they have certain understandings mm, of me. Mm. I have, I have these, I have these really made up little thoughts and theories. Well, of, let's hear one of them. Um, so you know how for we're kind of feel like i'm kind of messing up the timeline here but people our generation Mm. and i believe we're the in the whole category we're the millennials or we're maybe you're millennial i'm gen x (laughs) we're probably at the tail of the millennial uh Mm. for the millennials and we are kind of um, cause I'm thir- I'm 32. So Mm-mm. when I was, uh, looking for jobs and trying to have a career, my parents were like, you need to find a stable job. You know, the world is really shaky. Something mm. could happen next mm. second. I'm more like, I want to be artistic. I am not going to try to climb up the corporate ladder, mm. yada, yada, yada. And we had so many fights, me and my parents, mm. we had so many really, really rough conversations. And then I had to think about why my mom put so much importance on having a a stable job like why is stability such a heavy uh you know influence in every decision that she thinks i should make and i was like aha there was like a ding i was like this is why because when they were born it was um the early 60s it was right Mm. after um the famine or whatever so they were born hungry Mm. and when they were growing up there um it was the kind of the you know chaotic time of the society as soon as uh they became young adults open reform happened and Mm. the economy like suddenly kind of just not skyrocket, but it it really improved a lot in a mm. very short time. And they were able to, I'm pretty sure like their salary level became completely different in a couple of, within a matter of a couple of years. And when you get something that that's really important and that's, that comes in abundance in a very short time, that's not really completely through your personal decision. It Like when something is brought to you by societal change, you have this sort of innate insecurity about how these, how long these things will mm. be able to stay and how long you'll be able to have them. And I think that's part of their genes. That's part of their growing up experience. And they put that mm. on us, of course, with all of the good intentions. But we were born in the late 80s, early mm-hmm. 90s when 
as soon as we were born, the society was already a lot more, I don't know, our material life was okay. We didn't have to go through, you know, um, hunger or anything. My mom also comes from the rural part of China. So her, her childhood life was probably not as well fed as some of the other kids that, that are the same age. So we never had to worry about feeding ourselves. Mm-hmm. We've always had a very sort of stable childhood where there's always food on the table and we had toys, we had other things. And so I think psychologically, we don't get scared by the thought of instability or, or job insecurity or like, oh, worst case, I'll go wash dishes in McDonald's. Well, McDonald's don't really use dishes, but I will <laughs> work at McDonald's. I'll <laughs> work something like I'll be able to feed myself regardless. Like mm-hmm. I'm not going to hunger. I'm not going to starve myself to death. Mm-hmm. And I try to use that theory to explain every difference I have with Mm, my mom. mm. Most of the time it works. You know, I think my parents, their life was also kind of tough, but uh, their life was easier, far far easier than my grandparents' lives. And my grandparents, they came from these huge families. I think my grandfather was one of 12 and my grandmother like was also one of like 11 or 12. And it was like basically the same on both sides. You know, they lived in a time like you're talking about of great insecurity. Generally, when there is like economic insecurity, families are larger because the sad reality is a lot of children might not make it. So I think their generation, they grew up in a time in which there was a lot of social change and their generation likes to, liked, I remember growing up, their generation was this really de- well-defined period of time in which a lot was happening in the 60s and 70s and the youth was apparently changing a lot of things and they were like oh we were the generation that changed so much it was woodstock and all that stuff my parents didn't go to woodstock they were more tame than that but <laughs> <laughs> but they were like in that generation where they felt like they were turning against all of these norms that had been formed in the early 50s and stuff yeah and like against that and they were like oh no these are these like bonds that hold society together in this way we're going to break those and put them back together in a new way mm-hmm. my generation i feel like gen x you know, we were growing up listening to like Nirvana and stuff. We really didn't stand for a whole lot. We were just like, okay, I guess this is it. We go to the record store and like buy, you know, it was, it was a time when there was a lot, there was a lot of stuff for in America and there wasn't a, yeah. a, a lot to, to stand for at that time. It was more just like standing for like which cool t-shirt you had. Isn't that cool though? <laughs> I, mean. <laughs> I mean, I wish the whole world could get to a point where nothing mattered enough so that it could be like that. But the reality is the world's, you know, got a lot of problems still yet to fix. And then these younger generations now, you know, with like Gen Z and stuff, they really stand stand for a lot of different stuff like global climate change and, you know, gender equality and all this stuff that these important things that like, you know, my generation, there were feminists, there are people that are, you know, like it was kind of a given that people should, but people didn't like fight really like strongly for it. I went out and I protested against the invasion of Iraq. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, no, let's not do that. That sounds co- not cool. Yeah. <laughs> but it, w- it wasn't like something that defined me. Yeah, I love I love what you just said, though, because I mean, we're kind of at the risk of being a little too opinionated. But uh, for me, I, <laughs> I, I support movements that are of great significance to this world, like no doubt. But I don't I'm not a fan of really villainized the the opposing side to the individual (laughs) to the level of individuals you know like Mm -hmm. you you could Mm -hmm. if there's someone from the opposing side of whatever you're advocating 
I mean, of course, if it's not like illegal or or violent or anything, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. people tend to, I I don't, I'm not, I don't like it when people are like, oh, you don't support this? Well, then you could go, you know, (laughs) like, well, (laughs) you know, maybe give them chance. And then at the end of the day, we're talking, if we're talking about a movement or anything you would like to advocate isn't the ultimate goal to have more people on your side, isn't it to eventually mm. bring more people to become your allies? And by saying you could go do whatever, isn't that just kind of yeah. turning people away immediately? That mm-hmm. Doesn't that kind mm-hmm. of defeat the purpose? I don't know. That's just my personal opinion. So you are an a communication expert. Is that not right, <laughs> Alex? I was. <laughs> my job just changed. And I, I, I don't te- want to lie. <laughs> oh, you just changed. But you, you were teaching people like cross-cultural yes. communication skills. Like, yeah, so maybe, yeah, maybe you need to teach more people about that. But, you know, this is not the direction I want to take <laughs> this conversation. I was just opening with this. I actually wanted to talk to you about some things. Like the Western media, they're talking about in China, there's this thing called laying flat. <laughs> and uh, I thought maybe we could talk a little bit about that. So what is laying flat, Alex? Um, um, can I can I be a little... I would love to hear what you think it was first, because sure, I'd love to tell we you. We just had conversations about this with a couple of friends from different age groups uh, like two days ago. Uh, so I'd really love to hear what you wanted to say. Let me first. tell you my biases, and then you could tell me why I'm wrong. Because I really Ooh, don't okay. know. You know. I've just read stuff like on yahoo.com yeah. or whatever, and it's like, uh, I'm not... Uh, that wasn't very informative. So Okay. I know a lot of uh, people in major cities, because of the generation issue, they have like four grandparents and two parents, and they're all giving them everything they have. So I know people who have like four homes now. So that's like, okay, they, mm-hmm. I have four apartments, and I'm 22 years old. And like, I don't really feel like working anymore, because you know, the job market's really terrible, and the jobs are not what I want right now. And so, ah, I'm just not going to work for a while. And so, they're like, okay, I'm going to rent a couple of them out. And like, then I'm just not going to work very much because I don't have to. And, you know, like, it's convenient for them because there's a lot of people who came from, they came from single child families. And so, there's a lot of generations all pushing all of their fortune down on one person. And a lot of my speculation, I guess, is that they just have the convenience to not have to, like, fight in the city for their life like a lot of other people do mm-hmm. because it's convenient for them to to not need to. Am I wrong? Is that is, or am I misinterpreting you're things? Not, this is called framing the narrative. No, I'm joking. Uh, you're not... <laughs> <laughs> you're not completely wrong, actually. Uh, uh. There is part of it that's... I'll explain. So, this whole laying flight thing... This whole trend and this this uh, phrase came after the crazy internet company culture became sort of a, a workplace norm. Like everybody was accepting that that's how you're supposed to live your life. And if you're working in this day and age and if you want a better future, um, you have to follow what the companies are telling you to do. Mm-hmm. You follow your peers and you try to make a better future for yourself and your family. But then because of this kind of culture, and actually this whole 996 thing, a lot of people in um, big internet companies or this, these uh, newer industries, they were working from 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. and six days a week because there's a lot of tasks to be finished. And that kind of became uh, everybody's uh, you know uh, schedule. But last year they started to, you know, repeal that they're like we don't want this anymore because it's not healthy and it's for me i personally don't like it because you can't really assess the time budget 
that you put into your projects and you wouldn't really know mm-hmm. what you're putting into and calculate for your future planning. And that's not sustainable. But I guess that the big companies realized that was important too, because, you know, smart thoughts. Um, anyways, so they started changing on that. And this whole laying flat thing started to surface right at the tip of that kind of 996 working culture started to fade. People started to realize, a lot of young people especially, they started to realize how powerless you really are, sometimes helpless you are. It's like, regardless of how hard you try, how hard you want to swim upstream and, you know, really get to a point that will make you happy, you can't not um, revert the, the, the power of this, this era, this industry, or even your company, or even your group. And so a lot of people, because of how long this kind of intense working culture has been around, they started to realize the, or they started to accept the fact that they are not as powerful. Like your personal efforts don't always get rewarded. That's the, the, the real uh, mentality when we're talking about young people laying flat. It's not like, oh, I, I, I have enough money. I don't have to try. I don't have to, I don't have to, to make any efforts anymore. The best explanation of this laying flat mentality I, I read was that it's, uh, laying flat means when you could accept, accept being ordinary. Like, you know, <laughs> it's, a little, <laughs> so it's, not, it it's a little sad. So it doesn't mean not going to work. It means going to work and just nope. doing the normal amount of work and not trying super hard. Yep. And I'm not going to be like, oh, you know, if I try this, I am going to someday become the CEO of my company. Or if I do this, I'll be safe. It's just like, okay, I know who I am. And it comes, I think it comes after the fact that I think more and more young people really know who they are. Like mm. they're more comfortable with who they really are. And, you know, it's, it, they don't live kind of live by the expectations that society's put on them mm. as much as they used to i think that's a, a significant change and now like i don't know if you heard this other term in chinese society that was also very popular it's called the uh, it shouldn't be called the slashers because that sounds <laughs> so more and more young people start to accept who they are they try to just be comfortable with that mm. and so like, okay i have a job and it's not like i don't like my job or whatever but um i'm not gonna make that my entire life so mm, now mm. they're i don't know if you heard this 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 term mm. uh jason and i shouldn't call it a slasher because it sounds it sounds it sounds very horrible <laughs> you know the um the forward slash yeah. we call a lot of people like like the slash group the slash youth that's basically when people have multiple roles in society or they have multiple jobs for example uh. i i work in right i work in an internet company but I'm also a, a, a slash stand-up comedian slash salsa fiend, you know, slash whatever. There are more and more people who are kind of taking on this compound mm. way of, you know, positioning themselves in, in society. See. And that has, I think that's a major trend wow. right now among young people in China, so, at least. Wow, that's really interesting. I will follow up on that. Maybe we could do something about that sometime. You know, as long as you're talking about Northeast, 
Uh, I don't know any what they call Dongbeihua, which means northeastern like dialect, but it is probably the most famous dialect in China. <laughs> Every year, for example, in the Chinese New Year Gala, they have someone speak Dongbeihua or sing a song in Dongbeihua yeah. because everyone finds it so like I don't know. There's, I'm not even sure. There's I, something with the tone to to the Dongbei dialect. It's very. It, it sounds like singing. And there's a rhythm to it. There's a very peculiar rule of when to speak fast and when to slow down. So I guess, I guess that's kind of like you know, it's not so. It almost makes the Chinese language sound not so monosyllabic, and you just kind of go like bringing you into a little musical, except for the person is actually talking. I guess that's why people like it. But but what, what would you mm. what would you like to learn just very quickly? Well, I don't I don't know if special <laughs> things are said in what special ways to even ask. Why don't you share something with us that is, you find uh, very common? Okay, let me give you an example. Like in Beijing, a lot of people instead of saying gama or or gaman or okay, okay, <laughs> let, no, let me do, let me do a different example. Instead of saying like uh, how are you, they'll say gamertsamayang, which means like how are you, ah. brother. Yes. Yeah. yeah. So that's like a Beijing. What what examples can you think of that are like you know peculiar or particular? Okay, I'll lend I'll lend some of my Dongbei expertise here <laughs> again for free. Again, a lot of people know the common greeting for Dongbei people is <laughs> laugh. It's this phrase we use. People say "gahana," like what are you doing? But but a more if we're sa- we're trying to find that's, that's, that's hello. That's hello. Yeah, it's don't it's how don't my people say what are you doing? But that's not so much as a hello. That's a more commonly known phrase that don't my people like to say. But that was kind of not fantasized, but it was kind of you know just it was taken that way by a lot of people. But as a true don't mm, person, mm. I could tell you that usually when we see, for example, when we see a friend, we see a neighbor on the street, which would be an equivalent to what you just said which is, brother, where are you going? Or what are you doing? Mm. We say, where are you going? We say, gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> it's four, <laughs> it's actually four characters, but we oh, say wow. it. Yeah. So like, yeah. And this is, we keep things really short and connected because it's. How, how do you say it again? One more time. <laughs> okay. So it's gotcha. Gotcha. <laughs> well, if you heard it here, guys. That's how you say hello in Dongbei. So now you're all experts. <laughs> you'll you'll receive a very warm welcome as soon as you say that. I'm like, oh, this Wagwan is uh, very cool. Though. Warning for those people listening in the states: don't do that. The reason I'm warning you not to is as soon as you use a local dialect one time, people will be like, oh, and they'll just start throwing local dialect at you, and then you just be like. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> I uh, I know that. And I had the same problem when I first went to the States as well. Uh. <laughs> as soon as you say something, they're like, oh. Like, what's up? What's up, dude? Oh, yeah. You, I, I'm good, man. How are you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, and uh, this this baseball team, that baseball team, and this senator. And I was like, I know nothing of what you just said. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, sure. Cool. Yeah, that sounds nice. I wanted to talk about phones versus laptops. And this is a mm. something I've heard from Western people trying to understand and define folks in China. Because in the United States, when I was a kid, my grandma was like, oh, computers are the future. And she bought a computer for my family and, and my other, you know, all of her grandkids. 
family's got one really nice computer. Go, that Grandma. Costs a, an enormous amount of money. Yes, yeah, she was investing in what she thought, you know, her family. So, my parents were like, what is this thing? And so, my older brothers were like, dude, I'm skateboarding. And my little brother was like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to eat this Lego. So I was like, it's mine. <laughs> so oh, I had wow. this, it wasn't really mine, but I, I spent 90% of the time using it because no one else had the interest. And I grew up and then, you know, laptops came along. I was like, okay, it's time for laptops. And then eventually phones came along. Mm-hmm. And so I have a mix at home of computer, you know, laptops and uh, phones and stuff. The expats in China have told me that this is not the story in China and that, that a lot of people did have computers, you know, you know, they had experienced wealth and they were able to have that same kind of trajectory. But most people went straight from no computers to smartphones. Se- really nice cell phone. Yeah, really nice cell phones. And that was their transition. They went from no computers to here's this amazing smartphone and everything you need to do is in it. And so a lot of people have like a different view of technology or the way that they interact with technology is very very much based around the smartphone. Would you say that that's an accurate assessment? I think I think so because my I know that well even though there there's a lot of cities and you and I both live in big cities there's still a large population in China that live in rural areas and my my mom's mm-hmm. family is is one of them and they have never had they've never owned a computer cuz back then when they needed anything that the computer could do for you they would go into their their little town and there are shops that could help them either print something out or what they used computer mm-hmm. the most was actually this um um what's the term for that it's so so dated a burn the disc when they want to burn music onto their disc mm-hmm. remember when apple when max used to be able to do that like you could just put in a little disc and um i was i wasn't a mac person alex i had real computers oh, oh ouch excuse you um <laughs> <laughs> We're going to have conversations <laughs> about this later. But um, I'm, I'm using a Mac right now for this. Yeah. But uh, <laughs> apology accepted. But you know, when you're able to just burn yeah, yeah, music yeah. on your disc and have mm-hmm. your own kind of little CD, that's the, that's the thing that they needed the most with the using a computer. And they didn't like, there was no point in investing 6,000 Kwai for a computer in just that. And then I think maybe starting 20, 2008 mm-hmm. or something, or even before that. Like my mom started retiring mm. some of her smartphones back then and she would give her smartphone to her brother next year. She'd be like, oh, I have another phone for my my sister and whatever. And then everybody started using phones. And I, in my memory, within probably two years, everybody in the family just had a smartphone. Mm-hmm. It's so small. It's portable. And these people need to be, they need to either work in the field and they need to go into the city to do whatever purchase they need and come back and they want to be able to, you know, just lie down and, and, and look at whatever that they could look at. And computer, it's like, it's so, it, computer still had the sense of, of formality, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. if you will. Um, and these people just want something that's more convenient. And, and I guess just for their lifestyle, that transition mm-hmm. kind of just made more sense. But city people, it's like, we're always kind of bound mm. by locations and we, we want to sit at home. And if we do, we're just, you know, after the travel commute, we just want to be at home in front of something. And then, and that's why I guess computer got more popular here. Um, I don't know, maybe white collar work. It was part of, part of the reason why as well, but you're absolutely correct. Like a lot of people went from, especially older people, they just went from uh, no computer to, mm. to, to, to smart. You know, I remember 10 years ago, they're, 
being a lot of discussion about making smartphones really affordable because the concern is like people in like rural Papua New Guinea or rural India or wherever would suddenly have access to information, like in information that might be relevant to them. Like, Hey, how can I grow whatever crop I'm growing or raise whatever animal I'm growing or like raising better than I was before? So they can actually improve their livelihoods through access to technology. Mm. I'm a little off point, but you know, I just heard yesterday. I was watching like what are the upcoming hottest jobs available for people, young people, you know, who are in their teens, maybe still, and they're thinking, what am I going to do? I want to make a lot of money. And apparently, vertical video programmers are like the thing that people are pushing towards. Because right now, if you are, you know, entering into the business, or you have been in the business for a little bit, and you're in your 20s or whatever, and you are very good at vertical video programming, i.e. the phone, then you can name your price and name your conditions and you can write your own contract with whatever company. Because these people are in such hot demand because everyone around the world, we're talking about billions of people, they may not have laptops, but they have cell phones now. They have smartphones. And it's part of the job title that it has to be vertical? That That's what they called it in the in the discussion I saw. Ah. It was like they called it vertical, vertical video programming. For a, second, because, for a second, I was like, I feel ashamed working for, for a, a, a tech company. And I was like, what is a vertical <laughs> gaming <laughs> programmer? <laughs> because you know your phone most of the time yeah. you're not going to turn it sideways even if you see someone watching a tv show on like the subway in america or china or wherever most of them are still watching it in a vertical way yeah. even if it's a horizontal feed like they're just like okay i'm not going to turn my phone all the way sideways yeah <laughs> i mean some people do sure i do sometimes but not all the time sometimes i'm just okay i'm watching like ted.com or whatever and i'm just dating yourself dating way. yourself <laughs> Jason. There's some really cool stuff on Ted. Ted, I you know, okay, sure, okay, fine. Ted is cool. Now we're now we're even. Now we're even. Uh huh. Sure. Because of the Mac comment. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Okay. Sure. Uh huh. <laughs> Okay, so I want to talk about something else that's also important, unless you wanted to continue with phones. Sure, let's move on. <laughs> Living with your parents. I want to talk about in the States. Okay, so <sighs> I'm going to start out there. And then I think it has different connotations for different subcultures in the United States. So I'm just throwing everyone in a bell curve. Sorry if you fall outside of or the edges of this bell curve, guys. But when I was young, it was like, you're 18, 19, 20 it's time to move out, you know, in mm-hmm. the States. It's like expected in my generation, it was expected. And if you didn't, they were like, Oh, you still live with your mom, huh? <laughs> like, or whatever. <laughs> when I, when I was about 19, my mom was like, okay, it's time, Jason. And so I was like, okay, I'm, I moved out. And you know, it was very good for me at the time in my generation, my particular context. I was like, okay, I moved to another city and I, like I started getting like serious about like what I was supposed to be doing. And it was really helpful in, in, in my particular context. You know, and some people, you know, living at home is better. Maybe mom and dad need help. And so staying at home with them because maybe they're older and they need help or whatever is very useful. So I'm not trying to say that it's bad to stay at home, but my generation had a a subtext of like, okay, you're technically an adult now. You need to go out and adult or, you know, you need to get into adulting and like have your own place and whatever. Seems like 
probably before the pandemic, even like in, two, in the 2010s, a, the financial situation of young people was not the same as it was in my generation to some extent. And a lot of people increasingly started living at home, which makes a lot of sense because, you know, you could share rent, save money. You're not just throwing money down like an empty tube somewhere. And like, then the pandemic hit and a lot of people got, you know, their, their situations changed considerably and they started living in the same domicile <laughs> or there's there or a lot a lot more than they did before but i i understand you know my very brief sojourn in china <laughs> looking around I, it looks like the the situation is very different so i was hoping you could elaborate a and little it's on really that. funny that you said it was a a very popular action of uh, your parents uh, and people their age that encouraged their kids to move out of the house and when, when they hit 18. That little trend was um, helping a lot of people my age when we were in our early 20s. When we were trying to break away from our parents' uh, leash and trying to do whatever we want to do. That's that's the little urban myth we would we would use. We'd be like, why are you trying to put such a tight leash on me and you're trying to have a say in everything I'm doing? <laughs> Do you know that parents in America, mm. da, 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 they let they kick their kids out when they turn 18. <laughs> but I, I have seen more people uh, living with their parents even in the United States. But here in China, historically, and even now more so after, well, not after, because of the pandemic, which, which is something that I hope to say, I'm, I'm going to be able to say very soon. I hope this pandemic thing is is over soon um mm, mm. but a lot more people are kind of like re-examining what it is uh what it means or what it really is um living if you live with your your parents a lot of like i i can't i live in the same city with my parents i can't for the life of me <laughs> i love them but i can't live with them where we have it's, we, <laughs> it's such a different lifestyle that we have it's just impossible to live together but I know my friends who um, sometimes when they come back, when they visit for two weeks, even they could just live with their parents. I, I, I hope it's a good thing that my parents don't speak English because I can't, I, <laughs> I cannot live with my parents for two weeks. I will probably mm, get a little, mm. little bit depressed, you know, because we're very different because mm, mm. of the theory that I said earlier, if you listen careful enough, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. um, but I know my friends' parents who are a lot more open. They don't really care where you go. They don't really care who you're hanging out with. They're like, oh, you want to come home at two in, two in the morning? Sure, just be safe and uh, let me know when you're on your way or something. Mm. My mom would start calling me at 930 and be like, why are you still <laughs> not on your way back? I'm like, oh, my God, mom. Um, But I will say that I am growing a little bit older. Sometimes it's funny how when they try to control me, that's when I'm like, I do not want to live with my parents. But when I see my parents just going to the park and posting these little fun videos on, on social media, I'm like, oh, I kind of wish I was there with <laughs> them. But also just traditionally, most Chinese people, especially after they get married, not most, but a lot of people choose to live with their parents because <laughs> A, the parents could help with, <laughs> sounds, sounds like you're using your parents, but your parents could help with you know, taking care of the household mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. if you're, cause a lot of uh, families are double income families and they both mm -hmm. have to work and they'll help take care of the baby. And it is, I will say that it is a huge plus when you go home every day from work and there's dinner waiting for you on the table. <laughs> but also 
you want to be able to keep them as part of your life. And mm-hmm. uh, I have the same feeling as I am growing older, they're growing older. I want to be close by. I want to be close enough just in case they need my help or I need to take them to the doctors or, or whatever, or just to have more time together as you're growing older. So a lot of people, a lot of Chinese people don't really have a, a problem with living their, with their parents. And it seems like as we move into i guess the not the boomers maybe the baby boomers the people who were born in the in the uh 50s and the 60s mm-hmm. becoming parents mm-hmm. becoming grandparents their ideas about life are not as drastically different at with their kids as it is like a couple decades ago i guess mm-hmm. so more people are a little bit more okay with living with their parents i'm still not one of those people mm-hmm. not yet mm-hmm. thinking you know you mentioned the boomers my father i think his experience was the same as mine like okay it's time to move out because you're 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 a young man go and find your own way become part of society we're done with you (laughs) 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 you know i think so like the recent trend over the last 10 years i think it may be a lot about economics you know in, in the united states that it's just as easy for people to buy homes they're so prohibitively expensive based on real wages which have been defeated by inflation i don't know enough about Chinese culture to make a lot of assumptions because I, I know a lot of different Chinese people and their uh, their lifestyles are very different from one another, like you're talking about. Yeah, I was in um, San Francisco though, and I did notice based on my cursory interactions with some Chinese families that they did tend to live in the same home. Like I rented, I actually rented a, a place in a Chinese person's home living. In, it was like a duplex and I had the second floor. Mm-hmm. And in the first floor, it was three generations living together. It was like grandparents and like the, the the parents and their kids who were of different ages. Through my eyes, I was like, okay, I guess this is kind of how it's done or something. Maybe, I don't know, maybe it was just that family. But it, it seemed yeah. like a lot of people lived together. And for my family, it was like, yeah, Jason, you're not like us anymore. Also, in, addi- in addition to that, you know, like your opinions and stuff are really different. So, you know, it's probably better that you go make your way in the world. You know, I, I get along wonderfully with my parents and my mom. She's a wonderful lady. And I could live with her now. But at the time when I was young, I had very strong opinions about stuff. And I, it was... I was a little like, oh, no, this is how it's done now, mom. And so, I, you yeah. know, I, I feel <laughs> a little bit like you. Maybe it would have been a challenge at that time for us to continue to cohabitate. I read something, I don't know, it was yesterday or the day before. There's this new policy, like, or not policy, that, that's not the right word. There's a new push for, for something called yes. roomies, roomies for something. There's a new word or a phrase that they're coming out where it's like, please invite your parents in China to come and live with you. And it's I think it's because the invitation inverted pyramid of the population. There's a lot of older people and the government just wants to make sure, hey, okay, people are going to take care of their parents, right? You know, like, it's kind of your responsibility, guys. And so, um, I think there's a, a push to to not just leave grandma in the countryside, but like to actually yeah. invite her into your home and make sure that she has good care and things as she, as she ages. 
My reading on that no push was for people who live in the cities, who live in the same cities with their parents and mm, they mm. live in different apartments and they both have big apartments, but they're just going to be like, we don't want you as part of our lives. It's kind of like, like you said, the the family that you uh, stayed with in San Francisco, um, that family has the tradition of having different generations under the same roof. Mm, mm. And it used to be the case for a lot of uh, other families as well. Like, if you've seen these Beijing apartments, if they were bigger, they have they have more bedrooms in there than you would think, and then these mm. modern apartments do because it's usually like parents and different siblings, and when they get married, whatever. And people don't really do that anymore. Mm, mm. But I think the government is trying to make sure that you are carrying that responsibility as as a kid to really take care of your parents, and also you know. They're they're older, and this is not like the rural side of the country where they could just go around and go out. It kind of, sometimes I felt like, and maybe it's just me being a more old school person, old fashioned person. But mm. like, I love buildings, of course, but I also don't always like the feeling of being stuck in the building and not being <laughs> able to just, you know, like if I live on the twentieth floor, then between me and reality, there's an elevator ride of like thirty seconds. So I like that it. sounds old because I'm from the <laughs> states, and you know, my all the homes I ever lived in, they were like the home with the yard. You know, we had a picket fence. Literally, we had a white picket fence around my right? my mom and dad's house, and like I actually. I always dreamed of living in a city in a high rise because I was like, oh, it's in the movies and all these people live in like New York and stuff. And it's like, oh, I want to be like one of those people. And so when I moved to China and it's like everything, that's what it is. I just felt like, yeah, I'm on the 19th floor. Look at me. And I look out and I see all the lights and it's like <laughs> the stars on the ground. I really like it, actually. I, it's For me, it's, it it's romantic beautiful. to me. Like not, you know, in a girl boy kind of romantic, but like it's very, very romantic to me. Like the feeling of being like way up in the sky, overlooking the city, watching the little people walk by and the cars drive. I love it. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same. I, I mean, I've always wanted to be like, every time I drive by the, um, those office buildings in CBD areas, if you mm-hmm. still recall those buildings, I'm mm-hmm. like, I would, I sometimes would be like in the car with my boyfriend and I would point to one of those buildings. I was like, you see that building? I'm going to be on the top floor in the con- corner <laughs> office in that building someday. Mm-hmm. But I I still feel like sometimes I'm like I I love the idea of having even a shared public space not you know a, like within the compound and stuff mm. I want some part of the space to like one family or two families together like I want to have that sense of this space belonging mm-hmm, to mm-hmm, to mm-hmm. me we have uh, two friends who just moved to Ejong and their place because it's a little far out of the city but they are able to have that kind of life like they have a giant house mm. um and it's really not that expensive compared to the the real estate price for the rest of the city and i'm like if i didn't have to commute to work but i might consider moving out there because you get such a sweet deal for the Mm. amount of money that you pay i guess i feel like a lot more young people are probably going to try to do that as more people start to take on this uh freelance or or work from anywhere kind of working culture i mean if i had a big place i did you say ijuang yeah there's a place called ijuang on the end of line four I used to live there. The apartments are very affordable. It's the south of Dashing, though. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I think... Sorry, I'm trying to map out the, <laughs> the city in my hand right now. I always mix up Dashing and Fengtai. Like, there are different districts mm, mm, of mm. Beijing. So, like, you know, boroughs of New yeah. York. Um, but if I could have a big place where... 
I could have some privacy to myself. Mm-hmm. I might consider in the future just, you know, getting a bigger place a little far out and maybe live with my parents. <laughs> I'm not trying to convince you. It sounds like you're convincing yourself. I, I started to doubt myself <laughs> halfway through that sentence. I was like, let me, okay, let's, let's put this, let's put this on the back burner for a little bit. I'm not going to make the decision right now. I don't want to regret it. <laughs> you know, I would, I'd love to, obviously my mom lives in the States. She's not going anywhere. And I really like living out here in China. So uh, that's not going to happen for me specifically, but like I'm married to a lovely Chinese lady. And if in the future her parents are old and they get infirmed and whatever, and they need to be taken care of, I don't see why we couldn't all cohabitate. It would be fine with me. Oh, you're, you're such a nice person. I don't, I don't know if it's nice or anything. It just seems like, you know, like we could. The right thing to do. Well, not just the right thing to to do like you know it's like free dumplings <laughs> nothing be sad dumpling factory sad. in the house i've got a i've got my own personal dumpling factory <laughs> dumplings from scratch mind you. yeah uh, you know in the future we need to do an episode about dating and we need to do an episode about weddings and we need to do an episode about marriage but because we're talking about generations i thought we would look through the prism or like the lens of you know, how has this changed over time briefly and talk about how has dating first changed from like maybe your grandparents or parents' generation, my grandparents and parents' generation to now. If I want to start, if that's okay. Of course. When my when my parents were young, it was like, yeah, look how dreamy that boy is. That's how my mom describes it. And that was my dad. My, my mom was like, he's so dreamy. He has a motorcycle and he, he started his own construction company. And like, he's wow. And he's so handsome. My dad was a very good looking guy. I don't, I, I did fall a little far from the tree. I'm, I'm not as good. I'm not as good looking as my dad. My dad was a really good looking guy. And so, uh, my mom was like, Oh, my, my grandmother. Her mom used to tell her this phrase. It was, uh, you know, it's just as easy to fall in love with the rich man as a man who's not rich. And that was what that the expectation for my mom was. She's supposed to be hunting for rich boys. My dad wasn't rich. He was just like, <laughs> you know, he ha- he was a very handsome guy with a motorcycle who was doing okay. So that was enough for my mom. <laughs> but, you know, they, they got to decide who they dated and everything, you know, I don't think that much has changed now. I would say what was really changed is technology. So now people go on like, yeah, eHarmony and like OkCupid and like, I don't know what, I I don't even know what Foursquare is, but I think it has something to do with dating. (laughs) No. No. Okay. I don't know. This is my generation. I have no idea what the young people, but I know they're using technology to find each other and in various kinds of ways, like for long-term dating and short-term associations as well poor jason <laughs> four square what what is it i don't know what's four square, four square? Is, what is, is it's a restaurant rating app it's oh i, I knew that <laughs> i was testing you you passed oh Alex. yeah sure <laughs> I, I guess that's a absolutely a test <laughs> but i want you know i know it, you said earlier when we first began this podcast uh framing the the discussion framing the narrative framing the narrative i'm going to do that again I saw these things on, on like CGTN or CCTV where like uh, old ladies, uh, sorry, I shouldn't say old ladies, grandmothers, <laughs> they go to the park 
and they put like little notes up on boards that say, uh-huh. oh, my granddaughter is 19 years old and she's looking for a man. And she, these are her like, she's this tall and has this education level. And like, then they look for their chi- grandchildren's like prospects. Is this, is this real? Is this something that still happens? It apparently is. I have never been myself, by the way, amazing grandma thank voice. You, thank you. you, thank have. you. Okay. And somehow um, that was Chinese too. So con- yeah, consider making that into another, you know, side, side. Gig. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. but it is true cooking with grandma smith <laughs> <laughs> sorry making Go dumplings ahead. um okay um so apparently it is uh, very real i have never been to any of these parks myself um but i've seen a lot of videos of young kids going to see what this is about and because of more young people are kind of going i felt like my perception of what it is was changing with that as well over the years. And the, I think when I first heard of it, I was like, like you have got to be kidding me that these parents or grandparents just, you know, walk around with a piece of paper kind of just, you know, saying to people like, this is, this is a hot commodity. Mm. <laughs> like, this is what I want to sell. You should get in on <laughs> Going once, going twice. Yeah, I was like, that's, <laughs> that's horrible. That's just so embarrassing. And I, I felt when I was younger, I was like, this is so insulting and yada, yada, yada. I started to see more of these videos of people just kind of going, you know, hey, uh, hi, uncle, and auntie. That's what we call like, you know, people that, that are, um, senior. Just randomly, if you don't know the person, you think he looks old. You're just like, "Hey, uncle." Um, I'll be like, "Hey, uncle and auntie." <laughs> I am, um, I am, I am 25, and I I work in say like the media industry, whatever. Do you think I'm a good match for your for your daughter or for your son? And they'll be like, "Uh, I, <laughs> we're looking for something better. <laughs> like, do you have a good degree or do you do you take care of your parents?" Um, there are a lot of those videos. It's actually really funny. It doesn't sound mm. like it's worth a watch what I'm just describing, but you, if you could watch those videos, the way that these parents who have the time and who are really like, we're going to try to make sure that my kid is going to have a good match and I'm going to try Mm-mm-mm. to contribute to that selection. <clears throat> it's really, it's, it's very well, um, entertaining. I mean, obviously, more prospects is better than less prospects. But I mean, I let's break the frame of the narrative. How do you think people, you know, young people are actually meeting each other? Probably it's not through this like paper park system. Like, how do actually people find pr- perspective like, you know, relationships in China today? So the the dating app did get around for a little bit, but because I guess because with so many people, it does it stopped making sense at some point. It's mostly mainly still through how um, we socialize. But I do mm, know mm, quite mm. a few of my friends who met people that were set up by their mutual friends. I feel like young mm, people mm. are like, we're gonna take care of this just amongst ourselves like i know someone Mm -hmm. like oh i know jason's single and i think uh this this summer girl might be a really good match for him let's Mm -hmm. let's Mm -hmm. invite both of them to ktv and uh Mm -hmm. we will sing and we'll leave the two of them alone and see if there's gonna be any chemistry coming out of it and so Mm -hmm. that's a very casual way of you know introducing people that you think would be a good match i think that's a very popular thing for young people to do and that that really helps you know helps with the, the 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 prospects and it's kind of like a no pressure social situation as well so like even if you guys were not really hitting it off you could still just sing 
or or drink you know it's it's easier <laughs> yeah. and then um other than that i guess the other traditional ways that some people still meet up with uh the the blind dates that their parents set them up with mm, because mm, their parents mm, like, so it does work that way Ooh, <laughs> it, it still does it still does I, my college roommate married her husband and that's how she met him like mm. our family was like hey we have this other person who's the son of your uncle Lee and auntie whatever and he also works in Beijing and this is what he does and here is his picture would you like to just have a, a very casual dinner with him <laughs> and they're married with kids now so I actually did meet my wife who we've been together for more than nine years now and we met on an internet dating service Ooh. yeah I'm not gonna say the name of it because I don't want to be plugging any particular product but you know it worked yeah. out for us it was like we were both like you know open to finding people through a variety of methods but again more prospects is always better than less prospects so power to both of you it worked out for us In your parents' generation, very briefly, oh, yeah. how is it the same as a hookup through grandparents? So most of my mom's um, and my dad's siblings found their significant other that way, but my parents were different. My parents were actually voluntary relationship like they they met in school and this this was back then sort of i don't know if i should say this it's a little they bit they met in school so there was like childhood sweethearts no they're in college no. and my dad was i don't even know i don't know if i should say this because it was against the rules but oh, okay anyways you know. <laughs> they met in the setting of a college campus and um they actually fought a lot of uh sort of the not the consequence but they they went through a lot of hardship to to be together that didn't stop them from having like really really mm, silly mm, stupid mm, fights mm, uh mm. nowadays sometimes they fight about really useless stuff and they became those fights escalate you just described every relationship ever probably so. yeah it's like <laughs> hey we have a really beautiful story uh, of how this relationship started but i'm really mad at how he used the pot <laughs> <laughs> no i have a friend i'm not going to say his name uh but he and his wife have the, like, the way they clean the walk so he's like she just cleans the inside of the walk but she need to clean the bottom of the walk too and it's actually like a big deal for them and they're always fighting about it <laughs> I, I will i will i will say this just i will throw this in there just for for a laugh my boyfriend and i had a very 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 heated fight the other day and it was uh the theme of our fight was uh hip-hop dance versus salsa dancing and and that fight went on for about five hours i kid you not it, it started wow it started with another uh couple friends that we had and it started in public and we tried to diffuse it and everybody's like let's take our minds off of it I was siding with the other wife and then my boyfriend wow. was siding with the husband and we got into this huge debate. And when we got home, we were like, I was not okay with how you were, you know, supporting someone else and not me because the, what I was saying is true. And I, it went on for another two hours and it was such an ugly fight. Wow. And it was about dancing. You, do you remember the story Gulliver's Travels? Yeah. You know, there was the two the two kingdoms, the tiny people were fighting at the end. It was over which side of the egg to crack, the crack the small side or the big side. I think this perfectly describes a fight about, like, which style of dance is cooler. Serious, serious <laughs> matter, serious matter, for sure. By the way, I cracked the side, the egg on the side, because obviously the God, side... no! <laughs> yeah, the side, totally the side. Mm-mm. It's the broad area. Anyways, we'll have to finish this discussion another time, because we are out of time, Alex. As usual, it's been a great pleasure speaking. Likewise, with you. Jason. <laughs> Talk to you soon. All right, bye bye. Bye-bye.